it was all good just a week ago. What is up, fellow Devil fans? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. I am your host, Bill Botch. It's Sunday, March 19th at 1.54 p.m. The Devils dropped a tough one in Sunrise, Florida last night to the Florida Panthers. Makes it three in a row. Devils have lost three in a row. They did get a point on Thursday night versus Tampa in a game in which I thought they played really well. Um, But they lacked a lot on Tuesday. And then last night, last night could have been a lot uglier than what it was. Let's be real. Akira Schmid stood on his head. He was great. The Devils were, were lucky to be going into the third period up by two goals. But we'll cover all that. Um, big shout out to everybody that listened to the Dysfunctional Devils Family episode. That was a lot of fun. We did it on St. Patty's Day. Me, my dad, and my brother. And uh, <clears throat> I had like went out for drinks with some buddies and kept pushing it later and later and later. So we didn't start recording till like 10 o'clock. And uh, it was St. Patty's Day. You get a couple drinks in you. Some of your stats are are backwards. We're arguing. We're laughing. It's kind of what the the devils uh, mean to to me and my family. And it's cool that it keeps everybody together. And that's the great thing about sports is um, it's not life or death or anything, but you get to share that with the people that you love and it's cool that we have that um we have that bond and we have that camaraderie that we're able to uh to use so thanks to the pickle and for um my brother for hopping on and being a part of that episode it was a lot of fun um whenever they want to come on they always are more than welcome to you know my brother and my dad have been watching hockey a really long time so i really value their opinions me and my dad really never see eye to eye when it comes to hockey or basically anything else for that matter. Um, But we know that we have each other's best interest in mind at all times, and we don't want to go any farther than that. But, uh, yeah, hockey is like one of those things that you can debate contracts and players and and everything else. And when you're emotionally invested into something, you're going to have different opinions on things. So it's always fun to to get an idea as to – what they think about things. This is the kind of conversations we have with these guys. I have with these guys on the regular. So they went down to the game in sunrise. Like I said, they're down in Southern Florida. And um, yeah, so they went down to the game. They said that there was a lot of, uh, there's a bunch of devil fans there. They said there was probably like 40% full or maybe even a little more. And the devils have obviously been traveling very well, which is kind of cool to see. Um, there was, it was a long time that the Devils couldn't sell out their own building. And, I mean, you, you saw the West Coast road trips that they went on. They had a, a really strong presence, uh, fan base out there. And it seems like everywhere we go, we have we have a pretty decent uh, group of fran- uh, fans that's moving with the team. So that's kind of exciting. But the Devils really played a very poor game last night. That first period was complete domination by Florida. If it wasn't for 
Akira Schmid, the Devils would have been out of this game in the first period. Schmid has looked unbelievable. And Lindy Ruff straight came out and after the game said he was embarrassed by the way that the team played in front of him. And he said uh, it was more than just a gut punch that game. That was not Devils hockey, and he was embarrassed uh, by the team. Those are pretty strong words to come from a head coach who's coaching a team that's in third place in the league. But you have to agree with him. Um, the team just didn't have it. And we talked about it on the previous couple episodes. You have to figure out what to do with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt to get those guys going. They're just too important when it comes to the Devils to where winning when those guys aren't producing is going to be extremely difficult. So we talked about Jesper Boquist playing on the Hughes line and the, and how it wasn't working for Boquist and it also wasn't working for Bratt. Bratt playing on the hollow line was basically um, non-existent and Ruff made the change, moved him up to the Hughes line, but he moved Boquist and Meyer both down to the hollow line. Boquist, Halla, Meyer were our best line in the game by far. By far. And Timo Meyer was able to drive that line, not by himself, because I thought that I thought that Boquist played well and I thought that Halla played well, but Timo Meyer. He, he led the team in expected goals at 0.48, which is not very good. But um, they were the devil's best line last night. And that's the part that's a little concerning to me. The Nico line played good. Not good enough, obviously. But, you know, they were involved. But it's, it is a bit of a... Um, a concern when Hughes and Bratt are both just non-existent for games at a time. And you wonder, like, what will happen if they aren't able to get things on track with only 13 games left in the season going into the first round of the playoffs. 13 games is a lot of games, though, to get your shit together, so... Uh, I'm confident that they will, but Jack Hughes does not look like the same player that he was before he went to the All-Star break. I know he had an injury. I am not blaming this on an injury. To me, this looks like something that is clearly between his ears. He is not playing with the same kind of confidence that he played with prior to the All-Star game. Prior to the All-Star game, when he was out there, he looked like he wanted to take the game over. He wanted the puck on his stick at all times. He was driving to the net. He was being creative. He's not doing any of that now. And that's concerning because we run our offense through him. He can't just disappear for... It's one thing if, you dis, you know, if you're non-existent for a game or two, this is way too long. And Jesper Brad is the same thing. I know he had two goals the other night, but besides that, Jesper Brad has been MIA. You can't be trying to get eight, nine million dollar contract. You're not able to drive your own line. Then they play you on a line with one of the best young centers in the league, number one overall pick, and neither of you guys are still able to figure it out. 
It is concerning to me. What is good is that prior to this, when Jack Hughes was the only person scoring, the Devils were and the Devils were winning games. He was the only person scoring. And now and we were worried about depth scoring. Now we have depth depth scoring and we can't get him going. So you have to really you know, you don't want to break up a good thing in the Tatar, Heesher, Mercer line. Because, you know, Mercer definitely struggled at the beginning the first half of the season. And he's looked great since being paired with Heesher. Tatar has been one of our best players. But you might have to sacrifice one of those guys to move Brat with Heesher and maybe move Mercer down to play with Jack um, because what, what they have going on right now is just I'm not seeing anything. I'm really not. And I know that they're capable of, you know, being very exciting, driving play, getting teams hemmed into their own zone and taking advantage of that. It's like when neither of those guys can get going and they can't play in the offensive zone, it really it, it kind of trickles down because then Dougie Hamilton isn't able to jump into the play. He's not able to be as much of an offensive threat. And it's like that's what we need them for. It makes our defense look very suspect. You get our team hemmed into the defensive zone, and then obviously our defensemen are put in different situations, and if they turn the puck over, people question their skill, question their decision-making. The best defense is a good offense, and we know that. It's just like football. It's like you want a good defense? Have an offense that could run the ball, control the clock. Keeps your defense off the field. I think the same thing goes for hockey too. And when you're, you know, when we have like a guy like Severson or a guy like Hamilton who do jump into the play and can like add that extra, especially Hamilton, add that extra offensive ability from the back end, it really tilts the ice. But if you have him in his own zone, Hamilton's really, I mean, he's sufficient, but his skill set isn't meant to be defending in his own zone. It's meant to be pushing play. So things are going to look a little weird. Things are, you know, people are going to look uncomfortable. I think Siegenthaler has played a lot better. They were going after Siegenthaler last night. He was like the public enemy number one. They took a lot of shots at him. They got borderline dirty with him. Cost them a penalty. But we can't get our power play going, so it doesn't even matter. Our power play is bad. I think we might have too many cooks in the kitchen. And, you know, you see, like, the Pittsburgh Penguins for years, it was just a front-loaded power play, and you had everybody on it. You had Gensel, Latang, Malkin, Crosby. You know, it was Hornquist, and it was just, you know, they, they pack that power play one. We're kind of deep enough. You might want to like switch it around. Maybe Meyer doesn't belong on the first power play, or maybe Brat doesn't belong on the first power play, and you drop them down to the second, and you make them a little more, um, you level them out a little more. 
because it's not like our second power play doesn't have any skill. You add one more really skilled player or one really good shooter to that power play, who knows? Speaking of good shooters, I hope you've all paid attention to what Alex Holtz is doing in Utica right now. He looks really good, along with Simone Nemitz, who I, I believe he's got three goals in his last four games. So he he's on a roll, too. So it's good to see both of those young guys playing really well. So the first period last night was ugly. It was the Akira Schmid show. It was good to see. You know, I talked about it. I would have preferred to have played Vanacek last night. You knew that this was going to be a wide-open game. You knew that Florida doesn't play with as much structure as Tampa. And they play with a lot of speed, which kind of blends itself to the Devils game. I would have rather have played in a 5-4 game with Vanacek. Um, a high-scoring game is what I'm getting at. And then played Schmid tomorrow or today, Sunday versus Tampa, knowing that it would be a more defensive game, a more structured game. The neutral zone would be a lot harder to get through, and it might be a tighter game. You have Vasilevsky on the other side. And to me, Schmid has been our best goaltender. So. You know, we're coming down the stretch here. We got 13 games. We're trying to catch Carolina to win the Metro. And they're losing last night to Philadelphia, which is great. Philadelphia is up by one. And they let up a game-tying goal with 0.3 seconds left in the third period. 0.3 seconds left. Is wrong with you people it's like give me a break the flyers can't do anything right i hate the flyers i hate the city of philadelphia but this was a chance for the devils are up two nothing in the second period and philly is up by one with 10 seconds left in the game and they blow it of course they let up the game tying goal and then, of course, Carolina comes and scores. We give up three unanswered goals, and it just makes uh, the standings. We drop down. Now we're three points behind them, and they have a game advantage on us. And the Rangers are on fire. The Rangers are not the same Rangers from the first half of the season. So Shesterkin looks better. Their offense is humming. They put up six goals on Pittsburgh last night in a shutout. 33-save shutout for Shesterkin. They're five points behind us right now. And, you know, for a while, we would have we were excited to play the Rangers in the playoffs, and I don't feel that way anymore because, you know, we, which way do you want to look at it first? We could talk about the Rangers. The Rangers look pretty deep. They got the kid line, Zabata, Jad, Panarin, you know, Kreider, Tarasenko, um, Trocek. That's a good team. They're good on the back end. And if Shesterkin plays well, could be the best goaltender on the planet. Vitek Vanacek does not look like the Vitek Vanacek from the first half of the season. Jack Hughes 
and Jesper Bratt are not contributing. And, you know, we're moving players around. Blackwood, who the hell knows what's going on with him? At this point, I think Schmid is my starter game one, first round of the playoffs. But you have the Rangers on your ass right now. They're, they're only behind us by five points. You don't want to give up home ice advantage over the Rangers. That would suck. You had a gift given to you by Svechnikov getting hurt. And the devil's door really opened for them to capitalize on that and potentially win the Metro division. And the Flyers screwed us, and we screwed ourselves by giving up three unanswered goals. The second period, the Devils played pretty good. Nico Heischer scored on a shorthanded goal, which you've seen. He likes that shot. He likes that right over the pad, far side shot coming down the wing. I talked about it probably on my first episode I ever did. Heischer's release is sneaky good. People do not talk about Heischer's shot. I'm telling you, he's got a very, very accurate quick release. Sneaky good. If you get a chance, go down to warm-ups and watch him. He gets the puck off of his stick. There's really no wind-up. It's really it's a fast release. It catches people off guard for sure. That's why, if you've seen, he's scored a, a quite a bit of goals from the top of the circle outside of the dot. It's because it it does it's just it I think it it gets on goalies quick. And he's very accurate with it. You have to love what you've seen out of Heischer this year. You know, I said at the beginning of the year, if he's able to score 30 goals, he'll be nominated for a Selkie. He'll be a, a candidate. And um, he, he's going to get 30, obviously. But he, he just looks really good. This is his, you know, career season. He's been, he's been great. Um, but there's still a lot of work to do. And you have to kind of figure out what we're going to do with these lines. Damon Severson is another guy who has played really well, but he had a rough one last night. He kind of got caught trying to get off the ice, and it turned into a too many men on the ice call, which is the second one in the past couple of games. That's something that the team should be able to avoid. Those are mental errors. Like, you know, that's not something that you want to start happening on the reg. That means that you guys aren't managing the bench very well. You're not paying attention. It's like those are controllable penalties that you're taking there. The second penalty he had was literally he, like, tackled the guy in the middle of the ice. Guy was coming through the neutral zone with some speed, dumped it in. Severson didn't play the puck. Textbook interference call. So he had a rough game. Brendan Smith, you know, anytime you pencil him into the lineup, you're just put him on the penalty sheet right away. You know he's going to take a penalty. Um, I don't know what the fuck he's doing in the lineup at this point. He sucks. You know, he he is the only guy on the team that doesn't have a goal. Out of everybody, he's the only player without a goal. Go back and watch the replay of last night's game. He's below the dots in the offensive zone, 
trying to do God knows what. He literally plays like he thinks he's Bobby York. I don't know if he like wants a goal that bad. I actually don't think that's what it is. I think he honestly thinks that he's making the right play. He is so far out of position trying to jump into plays that I'm thinking to myself like, dude, you're winning the game by two goals. You're playing a very high-powered offensive team. You've been a healthy scratch for whatever, 75% of the last games in the, you know, in the last two months. Maybe try to sit on the lead and like be a defensive defenseman and block some shots and push guys to the outside, clear the front of the net, do basic things. He was all over the ice like... It was like watching Mighty Mites and just like where all the kids just chase the puck. So frustrating to see, especially being that Ball's game is kind of becoming a lot more well-rounded. Ball is actually pretty decent when it comes to making decisions offensively as well. I, I think at this point, it's just rough is just trying to get him reps so that he's not completely cold when somebody goes down in the playoffs, but... He, he is just awful. And I can't believe we have another year of dealing with this guy. So the Devils end up letting up three in a row in the third period. I don't want to go over it. We we all saw it. But it was a defensive collapse. Nobody played good. And Lindy Ruff, you know, he was embarrassed. And he's, you know, he was, and he was said it was a shame that they played the way that they did in front of Schmidt, because Schmidt played so well. So expected goals in all situations, it it was four point three for the Panthers to one point eight for us. <laughs> On the deserve to win meter. The Devils had a 16.4 uh, percentage of winning if you were to simulate that game a thousand times. I, I really don't know, like, I guess you have to break up the first line. And, and you got to move, you got to move Brat and Hughes away from each other. And Brat can't play on the third line. So we're at the point where Brack can only play with Nico. This is from uh, CJ Turturro, which if you don't follow him, it's at CJT Devil on Twitter. He has a he has a lot of good stuff that he uh, a lot of good stats and information. He he just diagnoses the game very well. Um, so I'm quoting him right now. The Devils have uh, not had consecutive regulation losses in 2023. They've only lost two games where they held multi-goal uh, leads, which is fewest in the NHL. They won 22 games in which they trailed by seven, or which, <laughs> which they trailed. Uh, seven were multi-goal leads. And what he's trying to say is that the team has played in all kinds of different situations. So, and I agree with him. Like, I would not say that this team, like, their biggest, the biggest takeaway from this entire year to me is the resiliency of the team. So, um, but he does point out 
that Vanacek needs to be better. Um, and Jack and Jesper have to find their games. So they have... He, he also points out, which is a pretty good stat, is that last year when the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, they finished the end of the season 1-5-1 and one down the stretch. So they didn't finish the regular season very well either. Now, I don't think we're the Avalanche just yet. <laughs> I think we're like the Avalanche maybe a year or two prior to last season. Um, but... It is nice that we have these dozen games to try to get this stuff figured out. And if you're going to hit a stretch where two of your best players aren't going to be performing the way that we know that they can, uh, I'd rather it be now than in the playoffs. But the days of us wishing that we got to play the Rangers in the playoffs, like I would be careful about what we wish for. Because there would be nothing worse than having such a great season like this and then getting, you know, tossed around in the playoffs by your biggest rival. It's It sucked that Philly couldn't hang on for another third of a second last night. They're just... There's an uprising in Philly right now, for sure. If you've seen the people that are protesting out there, asking for Comcast to sell the team and this and that, very frustrating. The Rangers play at four o'clock. That's not right. The Rangers play at seven tonight, I believe. Let me pull this up. And they're playing the Predators in New York. Yeah, they play Nashville in New York. I don't know. You got to watch out. We have to watch out for the Rangers. The Rangers are right on our ass. One of the things that I want to talk about just real quick that we mentioned, um, I mentioned in a podcast a couple weeks ago was the how it was, um, who's the first guy that did it? It was Ivan Provorov. They have these, you know, they have pride, pride nights for the gay community where it's like, you know, hockey includes everybody. And they're celebrating um, and they're celebrating that and how everyone should be included in the game. So they wear warm-up jerseys, and Ivan Provorov was the first person that came out and said, I'm not going to wear the jersey because they're like super, his religion in, in Russia. Now, it's weird because the Russians have like a little bit of a different situation. Sometimes if they speak out or wear something like that, it could get them in trouble with the government and everything else. And I'm not defending them at all. Um, I'm just saying you don't know what their situation is at home. But um, the San Jose Sharks had it last night. And they and their goalie... Uh, James Reimer came out and said that he's not going to wear the jersey because he's a Christian. And um, basically, it doesn't, you know, that's not what it says that you should do in the Bible. You know, he, he was trying to defend himself. And one of the, and I was disappointed when the other teams canceled it. So, like, the Rangers canceled it, I believe. The Islanders canceled 
canceled it when the Flyers canceled wearing the jerseys during warmups. Um, and it's because they want like team unity or, or whatever. And um, it's like at some point, one person shouldn't bring down the entire organization's beliefs and what they stand for. And last night, San Jose said, all right, well, that's great. You don't have to wear it, but everybody else is going to wear it. And not only are they going to wear it, but all of our best players and the entire team is going to talk about, you know, the difficulties and the, and the stuff, you know, the bullshit that people who live in this community have to deal with on a daily basis. And, um, and if you don't wear it, that's on you, dude. You know, I, I, and I, I was applauded the team for like, not only just, um, and I want to pull it up just so I don't give you guys any kind of bad information, but I applauded the team for really sticking up for what they believe in. And if there's one dude that like, doesn't want to believe, uh, you know, it's not, he doesn't think it's okay. Well, so what? And actually what was funny was um, Logan Couture came out and basically said, you know, he, he didn't defend him. He said, that's what he wants to do. Fine. But we're all gonna, we know that it, hockey is an inclusive sport and everyone should know that despite, you know, race or sexuality or age or anything like that. So it, it was good to see because I can tell you what, like the diversity in the crowd from when I was going to games in the mid nineties compared to now is night and day. And it's really, it's really good to see because the more people and the more communities that get involved in the game, the better the play will, will be. And, um, and it's good to have different voices and looks and everything in the league uh, you don't want to be pigeonholed into this, like, super, um, you know, uh, conservative white culture that no one else is uh, welcoming. Because that's not, that's not the case. Some of the best hockey players, you know, in the past 30 years have been black or Hispanic. Or you look at Austin Matthews, you look at Jerome McGinley and Grant Fuhr, and you go down the line. Um, the more people we have playing the game, the better the product will be and the better it is for the sport and the communities that the sport is growing in. So I'm all for it. And I was like really proud of the San Jose Sharks for just standing up in what they believe in. And if it means that you're kind of like, they didn't turn their back on them, but they weren't going to let one player uh, decide, you know, how they, you know, what their message was going to be. So good for them. The Devils have a tough one tonight in uh, Tampa, which it's a big one. I mean, you don't want to go four in a row. Now's not the time to lose four in a row. I'm curious to see what the lines look like. Um, they've been playing a lot of hockey. I don't know if they look tired or what, but is it is it time to to switch up the first line? Input Brat with Heesher and Tatar. 
and then play uh, Palat, Hughes, and Mercer, and then Meyer, Halla, Boquist, because the Meyer, Halla, Boquist line last night was our best line. You could do Meyer, Hughes, and Mercer, and then put Palat, Halla, Boquist, because they've played really well together. I don't. I don't care what you do. You just have to. You have to f- switch things up because you just those two guys are just way too valuable, and they're our back our best puck possessors. So when they play, the game is t- if they're playing well, the game the puck is on their stick, which means we control the play. I mean, I think Lazar got banged up last night, which he's been very physical. But we can't afford any more injuries on our fourth line. Bastion and Wood didn't make the trip. Um, Sharon Govich is, looks like a placeholder for now, but I thought McC- I thought McLeod played pretty hard last night. He was, he had a couple good um, shifts where he, the forecheck was legit, and that's what we need. We we really haven't we haven't been able to get pucks deep and forecheck and keep. Teams below the goal line. We haven't been able to go um, low to high. You know what I mean? Like, we kind of got away from our game a little bit. Meyer looks good, though. Meyer is not the problem. If you saw, he he took the puck to the net, and it was like uh, half bull rush, half superstar, you know, um, creativity with his hands to get the puck to the net and he almost scored Myers look really good I don't think it matters who you play him with either we will see so we got a big one tonight and then um, yeah and then they come back and then we have Minnesota Minnesota's won 11 of their last 15 games so Tuesday night is not going to be easy either like, let's nip this in the ass and don't let this get out of control. This is like when we need, like, Palat to um, step up and kind of wrangle these kids in and say, hey, listen, guys, let's get back to our game. We know who we are, and we'll take it from there. Tonight's a big one for Palat. He, it's going to be his first game back in Tampa. And we know how important... Palat was to those Tampa teams he's going to get his video tribute tonight and you'll see the respect that he gets from Tampa fans he's he's a he's a legend in Tampa so let's see if that big contract if he's you know I want to see him get on the board versus that team too damn I want to see him get one tonight I want to see the team get one for him so We'll see what happens. Um, I'll probably do another one. I'm not going to do another one tomorrow, but I'll probably do another one on Wednesday after the game on Tuesday night. And then we got uh, my brother coming in, and he's going to be around for uh, the games on uh, Friday versus Buffalo, and then we're going to go to the game Saturday versus Ottawa. So if you guys want to catch up for a drink or something, shoot me a DM. But here we are. Final dozen games of the season, boys. Let's get it.
from the trap. It's your boy Billy Botch signing off. Peace. Evidence, Irish science, and a shout out to my man Alchemist on the I'm a glutton for the truth, even though truth hurts. I've studied with my peoples on streets and in church. We make it hard when we go on first. Long road, honor of the samurai code. These California streets ain't paved with gold. I got the back. At the end of the day, we could go our separate ways, but the song remains and won't change. Got my target locked in range. I might switch gears, but first I switch lanes. Without my people, I got nothing to gain. That's why. First come the worst, my peoples come first. Special Victims Union, catalyst for movement, creates a devastation. 84 show improvement.